Well, thank you for coming. I'm glad. If this is your first time here, we'd love to talk to you. We've got a little gift for you, and we'd just love to uh, welcome you to the mission. We might be a small church, but our love is mighty. We have a good God. We have a loving God. And so we've been looking at some tough questions over the last couple of weeks, and so we're going to hit another tough question today. Uh, and so the easiest way for me to, to get into that is just to tell you a story. Are you all right with that? I'm going to tell you a little story. And this is coming across a little hot here. I don't know if that's me or whatever. All right. In the distance, there was a tumult. Voices of anger, judgment, and condemnation. Many people in the crowd who were crowding for a chance to hear this, this new teacher, this rabbi, this Jesus, were now starting to turn their heads to see what this new commotion was all about. Jesus himself paused in his teaching as he directed his attention to the scene that started to play out in front of everyone. Religious leaders and teachers made their way in the front as the crowd of people parted before them like water upon a giant rock. They walked with an air of religious piety granted to them more by the crowd than the Creator himself. Behind them were temple guards who carried not just swords of iron but also the weight of temple law and the will of those that ran it. In their iron grips was the cause of the uproar, a woman, half-clothed, crying, pleading for mercy. She was shouting, please forgive me, please, please be merciful to me. As she said this, several of the guards sneered and even shouted, get up, you adulterous dog, get up. It is your time to meet your end, and now you will answer for your crimes. Each time the guards said this, they would kick and shove the woman violently. A few of the religious leaders even laughed and mocked. They yelled at her, how does it feel to meet your fate? See, our father Moses wrote that a woman caught in adultery should be stoned to death. And you have defiled your husband's bed and now you will receive the just penalty as described by our father Moses. While the men shouted these charges, Jesus couldn't help but remember how his own earthly father, Joseph, had often told him about his own ordeal of finding out that his beloved, his betrothed Mary was pregnant Joseph related how he did not know what to do. He didn't want the, to tell the religious authorities because it would have meant that Mary would have been stoned to death. But thankfully an angel came. Well, the rest is history. But with each kick, laugh and curse, Jesus' heart felt a deep pain. He knew her pain and he knew the limits of the old law which he had come to free mankind from. The risks for taking action were great. He knew full well that recently, while he was at his hometown of Nazareth, he was violently chased from the temple and also nearly stoned to death. One of the religious leaders, the one who seemed to be in charge, scanned the masses with eyes of pride and pity. He looked intently with an agenda far more important to himself than that of the Son of God who stood amongst them. As his eyes finally found Jesus, who he was looking for, this religious leader stepped forward. Master, we know that you are an esteemed teacher of the law. Tell us, what should we do? Our father Moses wrote that any woman who was found in the act of adultery should be stoned to death. Tell us, we will do anything you say. At this, Jesus sat down and began to write on the ground with his finger. Moments passed by. Seconds ticked. It seemed like an eternity as the tension and confusion in the crowd as well as the religious leaders began to build. Another man shouted, this time with more excited fury, Master, 
We have a law. So what would you want us to do? At this, Jesus slowly got to his feet and walked methodically through the crowd, slowly making his way toward the battered woman. He walked by people, slowly touching each one as he passed, whispering in ears that were along his way, let the one who has not sinned cast the first stone. As he said this, he would gaze into the eyes of each person, from the religious leaders to the angry guards, until finally he whispered in the ear of the woman who was being charged as she lay prostrate on the ground, pleading for her life. The woman's facial expression began to change. She ceased crying and stared deeply into Jesus' eyes. She had gone from terrified to serene, condemned to acquitted. Jesus stood once more and shouted more loudly than ever before, Let the one who has not sinned cast the first stone. Everyone was silent as they all kept their eyes on Jesus. And with that, Jesus dropped a large stone that he had been holding in his tightly gripped hand. And people gasped as the weight of the stone and what it meant hit the dry ground. The once brave and prideful religious leader who was at the forefront of the charge to stone this Evil woman gazed into Jesus' eyes. He slowly dropped his head along with his haughty shoulders until finally he dropped the stone from his own hand onto the ground. The crowd was dumbfounded and bewildered as the scene of truth and scandalous grace fell over the whole crowd. The crowd began to disperse one by one from the oldest and the most religious from the, to the youngest last, leaving their newly acquired stones behind as well. After the entire crowd had dispersed, Jesus slowly bent down and offered his hand to the woman who was still in the dirt. He smiled gently at her and quickly asked, Is there no one left here to condemn you? She answered, mystified. No, no, master. No one is left. Jesus answered her lovingly, So neither do I condemn you. Now go. Don't sin again. The woman left, fixed her shawl, covered herself, and walked away a new person. She had gazed into the master's eyes, and her life would never be the same again. As Jesus began to walk away from the woman, a boy, a young boy who had been watching the whole scene play out, ran where the woman had nearly been stoned. You see, he was curious. He wanted to know what exactly had Jesus written in the sand with his fingers. And as he swept away the dust and debris, he read the words, Grace. Grace. After reading them, he left, and the wind swept away the word that he had just read. But the boy never told anyone of what he read. But in his heart, he treasured the word. And he began to follow this Jesus who taught and lived such scandalous grace. Well, we won't know until we ask him how exactly it went down, but that was a little dramatization of what we're going to look at today in the book of John. It's a great passage. And I think we have to understand that the passage then is still a passage that can affect us and deal with us today. And not just an emotional, but a spiritual level. On a theological level, a doctrinal level, but also an orthopraxy level. Not just orthodoxy, but an orthopraxy. It's not just something we can have in our head, but something we can live out in our life and play out wherever we go. And so what I'd like to share with you is uh, some interesting things here. Because for me, when I look at this, I look at the most prominent thing in this whole 
besides Jesus' scandalous grace that he offers this woman, I, I, look, at, I look at the rocks, I look at the stones. Um, I have today in my free gift bag that I got at a conference. I get a lot of free stuff at conferences and I'm hoping to get more, Jason. We're going to get some good digs at this next conference. Amen. We don't get a lot of free stuff, but, you know, it's good to get free stuff. But in this, I have, um, well, I have some things. See, we've all been a part, we've all been a a part um, where rocks have been thrown at us. See, we live in a world where rocks are common. And and in fact, we live in a world where maybe you've picked up a few rocks, put them in your own bag, and, and, and maybe you've taken some of those rocks and you've thrown them at others. You see, I remember a time when I was going over to a close friend's house and I was a young little kid, and I, I was a lot like my daughter Maddie, um, you know, just wild and crazy and loud, and you just love her, you know, because you know exactly where Maddie's coming from. And, and, and my, my mom would say, don't give Chris any kind of soda, because he will go nuts. That was me. Yeah, but I was a good kid, too, you know, sometimes. Uh, and I remember going to my friend's house, he was a new friend, and I was really excited, and I went over there, and I had been hanging out with him a couple of times, and I just... Loved it, you know, so I went and I knocked on the door and he, I think he had gotten a new video game or something. I was ready to go in. I was all excited and, and, and he opens the door, but he just kind of, you know, it was one of those half opens, like, like, like the chain is still on it, but there was no chain. You know what I'm talking about? He's kind of opening, he's looking at me and I'm like, hey, it's me. <laughs> I'm not a murderer. Let me in. You know, I was real excited and he just, he just looked at me and he's like, I can't, man. What are you, what are you talking about? I, I, I just can't. I can't let you in. Well, why? And I kept pushing, I kept pushing. Well, my, and he just, you could tell, he, he didn't want to say it, but, because he liked me too, I feel. I mean, he's like, my parents don't want me to let you in. Because you see, you're too loud. And my parents don't like you. <laughs> I, it was like, what? But that was a rock. And it, it hurt. You know, I didn't think I was too loud. And I remember going home and talking to my mom about it. And she's like, oh, I'm going to go punch them. It's like, that's, that's not the appropriate response, mom. Even I know that. And I'm a junior higher. But if you want to, I'll be fine with that. But see, I also remember another time when my stepdad, I was a little guy. And my stepdad would, he was pretty cruel. He was a cruel kind of stepdad. He, he himself had his issues. He had a lot of rocks, too. And he picked up this one rock one time because I was being, I guess, obnoxious or whatever. And he said, you know what, Chris? If you were on fire, I wouldn't even piss on you. That's how worthless you are. There's another rock. I remember another rock where uh, I was an employee at a job and I was doing a really good job. I, I felt and I, I saw a lot of good things happening and really good stuff happening and stuff, but... But there was a little issue between the, uh, the employers and, the, and me as an employee. And, and they brought me in once and they said, You know what, Chris? We can't really tell you what you're doing wrong, but, but we feel like you need to get on medication. You have too much ADD. So we want you to go get medication. And I went, I, I, with tears in my eyes, I'm like, Show me where I'm failing and I'll try to work at it better. And they said, It doesn't matter. Just go get medication because something's wrong with you. That was another rock. I also could put a few more rocks in here that I myself picked up from my past life of addiction, the abortion that I got with my first girlfriend, 
running away from God, the anger, the abuse. Maybe you're like me. We all got our bags, don't we? You see, we live in a world full of rocks. And it's hard to really go outside without getting hit. You know what I mean? What I love about this story is that Jesus, he addresses this. He addresses the world we live in. He addresses the deep questions that we struggle with. And we live in a world where, unfortunately, there's never a shortage of rocks. But, unfortunately, these rocks that we carry around us also become our arsenal against the people and the world around us. You see, I have a little thing, if you're taking notes, this is a really good... To me, it just makes sense. But the truth is, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. You see, people who are heavy laden and have a lot of rocks, throw a lot of rocks. And, and maybe you've been there. I mean, it's, it's kind of that thing where you ever wondered why you do what you do or when you do it with your spouse where they, you respond in such a way that you're like, oh yeah, and you throw a rock at them. And you ever wondered why you do that? Maybe it's as simple as, you know, you dig into your bag of hurt. Why do you respond so emotionally when confronted about that one thing? It's because hurt people hurt people. People with rocks throw rocks. This is again why we've been looking at these tough questions. See, we feel we need to answer these tough questions we've been looking at. We've been looking at a lot of good ones. Because it's easy to kind of come to the table and say, okay, well, here's a question. We pull out the, the Bible and we look at it theologically and doctrinally. But, but ultimately... We have to come back to the two tenets, the two things that are really the same thing that Jesus said, the most important thing, loving God and loving others. It has to be filtered through that. It has to. And this is the problem with the church of the centuries or the problem with people through the years is we don't filter it through that lens. We don't let it filter through that, that awesome filter that the Word of God is, that Jesus lived out and said, you go and do likewise, love God, love others. See, when we do this, we have to honestly look at our bag. And that's the hard part about these questions. Because it's easy to go, you. You know what I'm saying? You ever been in an argument? Come on. You got teenagers? You've been in an argument. <laughs> you've been a junior high, or you've been in an argument, right? It's easy to go into our bag and go, oh yeah? You know what I'm saying? See, the problem is that love is, is messy and scandalous. See, being a follower of Jesus means we don't respond with stones and rocks. It means we respond out of the love of our Savior. So that's why we don't want to give simple answers and quick responses to these deep, hard questions. Again, if you're taking notes, I would say what we hope for in this whole series is not to have an easy counter to the people around you, but a heart of compassion to the people God has put on our course. You see, we don't want to have a quick, easy counter. We want to have a heart of compassion. Because this is what Jesus did. So today, as we look at a very difficult question, what does the Bible say about being gay? We want to look at this in a different way. We don't want to just look at it as, okay, well, let me show you exactly what the Bible says so that you can go away and just have some arguments and some rocks to throw at people. No. 
We want to look at this in a way that Jesus dealt with tough questions. Jesus dealt with sin. We want to look at this in a heart of compassion. We want to lay our stones at Jesus' feet. And remember, our take-home truth for today is this. We are to share and show God's scandalous grace. We're here to share and show God's scandalous grace to all. So do me a favor, let's stand up and we're going to read John chapter 8, okay? So stand with me as for the reading of God's Word. John 8, chapter 2, verse 11. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Now they made her stand up before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, it commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? See, they're trying to trap him, right? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and continued to write on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Now go and leave your life of sin. Okay, you may be seated. It's important that we get some context here. So I want to give a little bit of context before we jump into this verse and really kind of break it down. But Israel was a nation that had been chosen by God. And we need to remember this. Israel had been a nation chosen by God to be the ones that were a light on a hill, salt to the earth. In fact, God had called them and said, you are to be my people, my representation of love and grace and mercy to the nations around. Now, the saddest part of that is Israel failed at that. They failed at that. They, they, they stopped being that. And so Jesus shows up on the scene. Because see, what they were supposed to do is be that representation of God and say, hey, we are actually a people without rocks. We're a people without stones of guilt. We're a people without stones of shame. We're a people without stones of anger and violence and all these different things. We want to put that down because God has freed us. But they didn't. And they held rocks. And they even took those rocks and used them as religious rocks. Maybe you've been hit with those. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he was completely opposite of that. You see, if I were to put it this way, Israel was not looking for a Messiah who would die for their sins and help them release their rocks, but one that would carry the biggest rock of all and destroy the evil people around them. Maybe you've been there too. God, if you'd just get rid of that guy at work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? God, if you just make those neighbors of mine move, you got the biggest rock, <laughs> right? I mean, we, we, we play that game. And so Israel very much so was playing that game, saying, God, you, you need to come and get some big rocks and huck them at these people, these Romans and these people that are oppressing us, and you need to take care of them. And that's the Messiah they were looking for, not a suffering Messiah that the Scriptures spoke about that would rid us of rocks once and for all. See, they were looking for a Messiah who would throw the first stone. But instead, Jesus came to stand with us and for us. So if you're taking notes, I would that be our first aspect here. 
Jesus came to stand with us and for us. See, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees taught, brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. See, we need to remember that here's the teachers of the Pharisee law and they're pointing to this woman and they're saying, see, what is this? Come on, tell us what we need to do. Trying to trap Jesus. Standing up this woman on her own merit. And we need to remember that we can never stand on our own. We just can't. Because if we're honest on our own, we have a lot of bags of rocks here. We have a lot of rocks in our bags, just like this woman. And, and sometimes we forget in the midst of the debate and the tough questions and the argument of the tough questions that we are clutching so tightly these stones ready to throw at this next person. We forget that Jesus is standing amongst us. You see, Jesus came... To stand amongst us. This is the amazing thing about, here, here are the religious leaders that had the whole Old Testament memorized. They had the most amazing mnemonic system that would make the, the memorization of Scripture and they had all of the Old Testament memorized and they had the, 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 the actual, um, you know, commentaries and different things that, I mean, they had it all. And yet here's God that they'd been studying about and lived, supposedly living for for their whole life was standing right in the middle of them. And they're still clutching their stones, ready to throw, even at God. It basically comes down to the difference between what and who. What do I mean by that? Well, take our question today, what does the Bible say about being gay? Now, I can go through the scripture and I can show... Uh, uh, from the concise context and the hermeneutics, and I can give you a very, uh, 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 you know, theologically correct uh, um, interpretation and everything of how the Bible does not endorse homosexuality. It just doesn't. And I can show this all. I can show you the what's, but it will never truly ever deal with the rocks in our bag. Because we can just take the what's and we can huck them. And we can chuck them. And that's what these religious leaders were doing. Using the what's of the Bible. See, the interesting thing about this is they're actually quoting the book of Deuteronomy 22.22. And if you're taking notes, just write that next there because it's an interesting passage. It says this. If a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, get this, both the man who slept with her and the woman, the woman must die. You must purge the evil from Israel. So the first question is, where's the man? You see, when it, when, it, when it comes down to the what's, you're always going to be picking it apart. You're always going to be dealing with just what you want. And this is why we have to look at the who. It has to be about the who, not the what. It must always come back to Jesus. You see, there's a great little book that I believe Andy Stanley wrote a long time ago, and it was called, uh, um, It's All About God. And he was dealing with issues. People would come to him constantly. Well, what about this? And, and, and what about that? And what, 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 what? And they had all this arsenal of rocks that they would throw at Christianity. And what is this? And what is that? And he would come back and go, ho, ho, ho. Let's stop dealing with the what. Let's talk about the who, Jesus. Do you know Jesus? And that's what it has to be about. Because the what's will never deal with the rocks. Only Jesus can truly stand without rocks and stones of shame and guilt and pride and cruelty and impatience. 
We will never be able to stand on our own with the burden of rocks we have. We need Jesus to stand for us. We need the who who was unafraid to stand in the midst of humanity, good and bad. See, Jesus stood for us so that we might surrender our rocks at his feet. That's that next part. He stands with us so that we can surrender. We can finally surrender our rocks. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. See, that's so interesting. Because Jesus disables the what? He, he literally disables the stones and the rocks and all these things. And he says, you can't stand. You can't. What was Jesus writing on the ground? Well, the truth is we don't know. Theologians have talked about it many times. In my story, I just said the word grace. But the, one of the most prominent views is that Jesus was writing the sins of the people in the crowd. Uh, I kind of like that view. Because what he's doing is he's, you know, he's writing down there, you know, that maybe, maybe it was the main teacher of the law. Maybe he was saying, looking at Rebecca. You know, I'm trying to pick a, pick a, pick a, you know, pick a Jewish name at the time. I, I, I don't know. Looking at Rebecca a little too longingly. And, you know, maybe it was very specific. And the older guy comes over and goes, yeah, oh, good. I better get out of here. You know, he knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. See, he knows what's in your bag. He knows what you hold on to, what's been given to you, what you've picked up. He knows. And now, he stands amongst us and says, surrender them. You don't have to cling to them anymore. You don't have to get to throw them anymore. The ultimate who stood before them and said, surrender. I love what J. Vernon McGee says here about this passage. If you guys know J. Vernon McGee, he was a great Bible scholar, and he used to have this quote, says, may God richly bless you, my brothers. I, used to, I, I wish I could do his voice, but he would end every radio show that way, and I loved it. And, and he said this about this. He said, let any one of you, uh, or no, none of us meets this requirement which takes us all out of the stone-throwing business. You see, we, we, we're, not, we're not supposed to be in the stone-throwing business. We just can't be. Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. The old people got it because they know how much sin they got. The young people are a little dense, right? Maybe you were young once or maybe you're young now and you're like, oh, I'm not that bad. <laughs> just wait, give it a couple years. Just give it a couple years. Trust me. Then the old people are like, oh yeah, I blew it. I am not. I can't stand. I need to surrender my stone. But you, you don't know how much that man hurt me. If you knew every little thing that he did and how much I hate him, you would not be asking me to drop this stone. Or maybe this bag is full of all my regrets and mistakes that I, I have to hold on to. I blew it and I don't deserve to be free because it's my fault. And I've got to live with it. There's this great scene from one of my favorite movies. It's called The Mission. And Robert De Niro is an ex-slaver. And he just feels like he has to hold on to his rocks and his stones and all the regret and all the mistakes. And 
So what's the crazy thing is he starts out from his ship and he has all of this in this giant net. It's like in the 1700s during the Jesuit times in like Brazil and all this stuff. And he was a slaver of all these. He used to take these Indians and sell them in different parts of the world, in Spain and Portugal. And, he, and, he, and he, So he's like, he comes to Jesus and, and Jesus he sees that Jesus stands there and, and Jesus says, surrender your life, surrender your rocks. And instead he goes, I can't, it's so much. And so he takes them all and he puts them all in this net, all of his armor and his sword and the yokes that he would put the slaves in and he puts it in this huge net and he slings a part of it over his shoulder and it's so long and so big that it's following behind him and he takes it to the, to the mission up in the mountains of this country in like Brazil. And it takes him days to get there and he's so tired and, and the, the, the priest, Jeremy Irons, keeps coming to him going, you can let go. Jesus doesn't want you to carry your burden anymore. He came so that you could surrender your rocks. And he does. And he has peace. And it's a beautiful scene. But think of all the weight of the stones and rocks that you might carry. Or the weight of tons of rocks of unforgiveness that Maybe a weighing you down for years. Will you surrender your rocks to Jesus? If you do, you'll experience this last truth. Jesus came to set free all those who surrender their rocks to Him. He came to set us free. He not only stands with us in our place for us. It says in Hebrews 12 that He endured the cross and all the shame for the joy that was set before Him. Who's the joy? You. For taking your rocks. That's the joy. He endured it. He stood there and He says, surrender them so now that you can be set free. Amen? Amen. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then I condemn you now. Go to hell. No, that's not in there. But does Jesus have the right to do that? You betcha. The only one in the entire cosmos, the only one in the entire existence of this whole thing is Jesus. And he takes this moment to say, then I, I don't condemn you either. I don't condemn you either. He acknowledges that she's a sinner though. He acknowledges that she has rocks. He doesn't just wipe it away, does he? No. He doesn't just say, oh no, you're, you're okay, I'm going to ignore your sin, I'm going to ignore the fact that, that you were doing something you shouldn't do. See, that's not love either. That's injustice and cruelty at its highest form. I mean, imagine if you were sitting, sitting in the trial of somebody who had murdered your entire family and the judge says, you know what, I'm feeling really gracious today. The guy that murdered your family, I know it was horrible, we're very sorry for your loss, but we're just going to let him go. Talk about injustice. Talk about cruelty. No, it doesn't, it doesn't address it. You see, Jesus addresses it. But he does it in such a way that instead of just throwing more rocks or taking a couple of the rocks, no, he, said, he, he gets rid of it all. And he does it in grace. He sets her free. See, the truth is that Jesus came to set us free. If you look at John 3.16, we love that one, right? 
For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Many of you have memorized it. And maybe you didn't mean to memorize it before you're a Christian because you just saw it on, you know, whatever thing you went to. Maybe you're at a Packers game or something, like the, the days, and you just see it up there. And you're like, what is that? John 3.16. You know, it's a great verse. But the next verse is so poignant. In John 17, he goes on to say, For God did not send His Son into the world to what? To condemn it. He didn't come to condemn. He didn't come to get one more big stone and go... And Destroy us with it. But he came to what? Save the world through him. He came to save the world, to set us free. Christians, can I just talk to you for a second? We're here to share and show God's scandalous love, not to hammer people upside the head with the law, not to take out more rocks and nail them with it. We're here to share and show love. We're here to show them Jesus. And if I can just say, if you're not a Christian and people have nailed you upside the head with many different things, I'm sorry, but secondly, let's stop talking about what and let's look at who. Because Jesus is here to set you free. He's standing right here in the midst of this room. And he says, I know you got rocks. I'm okay with that. That's why I came. Give them to me. Give them to me, and I'll set you free. It's all about Him. This is the truth of Jesus, who stood with us and who allows us to surrender every rock to Him and in turn sets us free. I love Psalm 55, 22. It says this, Cast your burden on the Lord and He shall sustain you. Cast your rocks. Pick up your rocks. Drop it on the back of the Lord, he's strong enough to take it. And Jesus says the same thing in Matthew eleven twenty eight when he says, Come to me, all you who heavy laden with a ton of rocks. You got a lot of labor here with the, holding these things up. And he says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I got a simple question today. As the, as the worship team comes up, how heavy is your burden today? What are you holding on to? What's the what in here? I mean, honestly, I, I, you can't tell me. I've been a Christian for 50 years. Okay. There's a lot of rocks. There's a lot of things that we can pick up. And maybe it's, maybe it's family that you're still holding on to. Because you're just ready to, you know. Maybe it's the lack of financial security. Maybe it's the fact that, you know what, you just don't know what your purpose is right now. And that's our rock. Because the weight of it. You, you, get, you get where I'm going? See, Jesus says, give it to me. I'm, I want to set you free. That's, that's heavy. Maybe it's rocks you're still throwing at others. Because you just have to tell them how wrong they are. Sorry, but the last time I checked, the Holy Spirit does that pretty well. He convicted me and he's out convicting others. Yes, we are to have the word of truth, but you know what? It's the love of God that brings us to repentance. So I just want to encourage you. You're to share and show God's scandalous grace to all, just as Jesus did. Will you be free of your heavy bag, or will you be like the vagabond who was walking along the road with a heavy burden on his back? A farmer with his horse and a wagon came by as he was trudging along, you know, doing his thing. The farmer called out, Friend, climb on my 
climb on the back of my horse. I'll take you into town. And with much gratitude, the heavily loaded man climbed in the, the back of the wagon. And after a while, the farmer noticed that his, his passenger was sitting there and he, he, he was still struggling and sweating and he still had the heavy load on his shoulder. He called, friend, lay, lay your burden down. Why are you still holding on to it on your shoulder? The man replied, I thought it might be too heavy for the wagon, so I kept it on my shoulder. We're a lot like that vagabond. Can I just say Jesus' arms are big enough for all of mankind? And we need to come to him with our rocks and we need to lay it down, every single one of us, with whatever we have. We're not here to throw away. We're here to give, to share, and show God's scandalous grace. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the fact that you want us to be free. You want to empty the bag of stones. You want it to be light. Lord, you want us to share the hope that resides within us. You want us to not only love you, but love our brothers and sisters. And sometimes that means coming alongside of them saying, I... I know it's not right what you're doing, but can I talk to you about Jesus? Because he loves you. That I know you've been caught. I know you're not walking the walk that God has for you. But just like me, he wants to take your stones away. He wants to take your rocks. My prayer today is that if you've got something, you would give it to Jesus. If you're still holding on to something, ready to throw it at you know who, drop it at his feet. Maybe you're here for the first time and you've never given your life to Jesus. My hope is that you would do that today. It's as simple as just saying, Lord, come into my life. Take these rocks. I want to follow you. Now's the time to be free. Because who God makes free Lord, we bless you and we thank you. I pray for my brothers and sisters. If there's anybody here today that needs you, that you would help us to minister to them as a community of believers, as a church that is not about just saying bless you and walking away, but no, it's about putting our arms around each other and saying how can we see Jesus today? How can we give this scandalous love and grace to this person today? May we do.